There is a God. He loves you. And he has handcrafted you for a marvelous purpose. I'm Brother Billy Hatridge, and thank you for listening to the Hatridge Sermons. Thursday morning, I pulled into the Walmart there at Ashdown to get a few things. And I was on the phone with Kim and going through the parking lot and this woman comes out. It's about 8.30 in the morning. Shopping cart loaded down with toilet paper. And I kind of, I kind of scoff a little bit, you know, and I, I pull in and when I pull into the parking lot, there parked across from me is another older woman with a shopping cart full of toilet paper loading up her car. And I, I remember when I was at Mina on Tuesday, there was panic because the Walmart was out of toilet paper. One of our therapists couldn't find any. And it just blew my mind because, as we all know, that this respiratory issue that we've got, this COVID-19, there's no real reason to hoard toilet paper. But here we are in this uh, this TP apocalypse that we've got going on. But panic is like that, you know. You just When you panic, you make the most illogical decisions. You, you, you look down and you realize, I don't know why I did that. I was just panicking and I think all of us can can look back at moments in our life where something happened and we did something completely stupid because we just couldn't think clearly enough to make the right decisions and it's hard not to panic sometimes especially when everybody around us is telling us to panic or giving us reason to but when it comes down to it God makes it very clear what we should and should not be anxious about what we should and should not worry about. And we know when we are calm, rational human beings that we don't need to panic ever. Like that's not a good thing to do is panic. And yet we allow ourselves to get caught in these moments. And it's not just this coronavirus situation, right? You see that anytime there's a snowflake fall from the sky, all of a sudden the milk and bread are gone from the store shelves. But Ultimately, when it comes down to this, this state of panic that we have, the scriptures are abundant. There are hundreds of verses throughout the scripture where God tells his people, do not worry, do not be afraid, or do not be anxious. Some version of that one or another, over 300 times, God tells his people, do not fear. And that should be something to, to contemplate. That should be something that we take serious, because... That is almost the most common phrase we see from God. Do not fear. We know that love is an is important foundational uh, theme of our Bible. But I would almost argue that we see this idea of courage and lack of fear show up more in the scripture than even mentions of love. Because we see it come up time and time again anytime any of his people are fearful or anxious, or worried, or troubled. He comes to them through visions, through dreams, and through Jesus Christ himself to say, don't worry about it. But I want you to turn with me to Second Timothy this morning. Second Timothy chapter 1. And this idea of putting faith over fear, of, of, of being... A, a strong believer in God and in His ability to watch over us is something that I have come back around to time and time and time again. Faith over fear. Not allowing our fear to control our actions or our decisions. 
because it almost always ends with us looking like an idiot walking around hoarding toilet paper for no reason other than because we have panicked. But in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3, it states, I thank God, whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith which is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, I am persuaded is in you also. Remember, this is Paul talking to Timothy, one of his young um, protégés in the ministry. Therefore, I remind you, it says in verse 6, to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. But as now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to the light through the gospel to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. And I'm going to return back to verse 7 here, because that's the one I really want to hone in on this morning. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. Power, love, and sound mind. That is what the Holy Spirit provides us when we call upon it. Not fear, but power, love, and sound mind. You know, when Kim and I brought, bought that Subaru last December, we sat down at the dealership and they're trying to sell us on the various warranties that they, that they talk about. And it always tickles me when people try to sell you on a warranty because they use a fear tactic. Well, what if this happens? What if this breaks down? What if this happens? You know, and you start thinking that like you have a really faulty product if you're listing all the ways that this car could break down on us in order to sell us the warranty. But it happens, right? I remember, it's been years ago, but Shorty was sitting on our front porch visiting and somebody called him about the security system. I remember to this day, you're going on about having all your guineas out in the yard and that they get riled up anytime someone pulls up and the guy finally ended up hanging up on you, I think. But, but you know what I'm talking about. They, they call you and they try to instill this fear. You need our product because if you don't have it, like all this bad stuff might happen. And that's what happened with the, the, the toilet paper deal. People were worried because like, if I need toilet paper and the store doesn't have some, I'm out of luck. So everybody's going and buying and buying out of this fear response that we have. And the fear response is a biological one, right? We, we know that it changes the, the, the brain chemistry. We know that it changes our, our body's capacity to think logically because there's all these things that are flooding our decision-making uh, parts of our brain. And we enter into that fight or flight response as we try to figure out how to react. And it's in that moment that we are now flesh driven and not soul driven. Because when you look at the way the Bible explains the difference between a Christian and a non-believer, it is whether you live in the spirit or in the flesh. And the flesh can be easy, right? We know the wrath part, the lust part, the gluttony part. We know a lot of these these. Things that make our bodies feel good are oftentimes not something that we need to be doing spiritually. But this fear response that we have is also a flesh and blood response. It's also our body trying to make us make decisions. 
And we don't think with that sound mind. We can't bring ourselves out of that situation with enough clarity to make the important decisions. That's something that I've had to deal with in my work quite a bit. When we have these students who are having these meltdowns and throwing chairs and fighting, I have to stay removed from their emotions. I can't get panicked and angry and upset and, and crying and screaming at them. It doesn't do them any good. But I think all of us can attest, especially parents, that sometimes we lose our cool with our kids. We know we don't need to, but it happens. But God is calling on us time and time and time again to be spirit-driven, not flesh-driven. To be focused on the spiritual matters at hand. And Timothy, the letter here, he says that the Spirit of God that is entrusted to us to make us better Christians, better shepherds for Him, is of power, love, and a sound mind. The love part is crucial and it's key. And we've talked about that time and time and time again. The power one is an interesting one though. right? We don't see that word pop up too terribly much. This idea that we have this power. But we have the power to carry out anything that God has planned for us. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. That verse can be a little misleading because it's not all things. It's all things that God has planned. It's not whatever we want to do, we can do because Christ is behind us. It's whatever God has planned for us, we can accomplish. But the sound mind, if you ever find yourself making a decision based out of anger or fear or greed or envy or any number of these emotions, you are not thinking with a sound mind. If you are reacting out of violence or anger or panic even, you're not thinking with this sound mind. How many of us have gotten in fights with spouses or friends or family and there's an emotion there and we say things that we don't mean and we do things that we regret the second we do them? But how many of us have done these things in a sound mind, in a clear mind, and regretted it afterwards? Very rarely, right? When you have a sound mind and you think it through and you contemplate it and then you make your decision, you're less likely to regret it than when you act immediately through one of these emotions. When we allow panic, whether it's this coronavirus or or any number of things that we've panicked about as a nation over the history of the nation, we lose our capacity to make the right choices, to think clearly, and to be better Christians. I want you to turn with me to 1 John this morning. 1 John chapter 4. Because if God has given us this power, this spirit of power, love, and sound mind, we have to know how these three things interact with each other. Because they're not three separate parts of the spirit. They, they work in conjunction with one another to make us better servants for Christ. 1 John chapter 4, verse 11, it states, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love has been perfected in us. And by this we know that we abide in Him, and He in us, because He has given us of His Spirit. And we know that that Spirit is of power, love, and sound mind. And we have seen, it says in verse 14, and testify that the Father has sent the Son as the Savior of the world, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. 
And we have known and believed that the love God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he does not love his brother whom he has seen. How can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. So we, we, we're familiar with this scripture because I've, I've used it numerous times. I've got a lot of dates listed out here. This is one I go back to time and time again in talking about love, especially that little line there about if you don't love your brother, you can't love God. That's a hard one. It means that if you're not really truthfully honest with yourself and loving of your neighbors and loving of the people that you see, how can you love someone that you cannot see? And it's one of those bitter pills to swallow for us as Christians who struggle with this. But I wanted to focus on verse 18. That there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. And ultimately what it comes down to is if you're worried, if you're stressed, if you're panicking about your future, do you really love God in the fact that you're doubting Him? Doubting His plan, doubting His power, doubting His ability. Is fear of the world a aspect of doubt in God? I think it is. I think when we allow the world to make us fearful when you allow the world to scare us to the point where we're making illogical decisions and we're making decisions based on emotions and not of this sound mind and this clarity, that it shows a doubt in God. And we're sinners, so unfortunately, it's going to happen. I, I, I can't ask all of you today to just live the rest of your life with complete devotion to God and never allow fear to overcome you. But we have to understand and recognize that fact. And amidst all of this, this is also an election year. And as we know, politicians love the fear card, that you have to be afraid of whatever the other person is, is, is talking about. And we get worked up in all of this stuff, and all of this panic, and all of this fear, and all of this doubt and worry to the point where we're making decisions not based on our own sound mind or out of a place of love, but out of a place of fear or disgust or, or anxiety. And we're bringing this stuff home. And this is me talking as a therapist for a moment, not just a pastor, but I have kindergartners who are riddled with anxiety. Kindergartners who are chewing their nails and bouncing their knees and they can't sit still because there's so much stress and anxiety in the home. They don't know why they're stressed. I talk to them, they don't have a clue. They don't even know that these, these things that they're doing, these nervous tics that they're developing at the age of five, six years old, are abnormal. But when they go home and parents are stressed and anxious and worried and, and, and terrified of everything that's going on. And then they come to school and the teachers and the staff is talking all of this stuff. Whether it's the plague or school shootings or whatever it might be, these kids are living in these, these anxious states 
And they're living these lives where there is no sound mind. They don't have the ability to turn it off. And it worries me about what that generation is going to look like when they enter the adult workforce, when they spent their entire childhood in an anxious state. I don't remember being anxious when I was a kid. I don't really remember being worried about anything until I was probably in middle school. Like anything other than whether I was going to get to watch my TV at home or not. But we have these kids who are struggling with this anxiety issue because the adults in their life haven't figured out how to have that emotional resiliency. Haven't figured out how to have this spiritual resolve in knowing that, ultimately, stress does no good. Worrying does no good. Living in these fearful states is not helping you one bit. It is clouding our judgment. It is clouding our ability to follow God's Scripture and God's commands that He has laid out for us. This this world that we're in is a scary one. And it could be an awful one. But the thing is that this is not heaven, right? This is not supposed to be a perfect world. It was in the very beginning, but we kind of dropped the ball on that a little bit. But, but now we have to live in this world. And we have to live in this world together. And God has told us how to make the best of it, and it is to love Him and to love other people. But when we're terrified of other people, and we're terrified of whatever it is the world is telling us to be terrified of, we stop being the shepherds that we need to be for our children, for our family, for our community. When we panic, they panic. Right? I was sitting in a classroom the other day and the teacher and some of the, the, the teacher aides, the kids were in there working and they're just talking about the coronavirus and how scary it is and how scared they are for this, that, and the other. And these, these, these second, first and second graders are hearing this. Because in those moments, these, these, these teachers have forgotten the importance of having that emotional resolve and being shepherds for the kids that they're taking care of. Now the kids are going home terrified because the teacher spent all day talking about how terrified they were. So we go back to the Scripture. That's what we're supposed to do as Christians. We go back to the Scripture to figure out how we're supposed to react, how we're supposed to live our lives. And he tells us here that we have to have power, love, and a sound mind. And that perfect love, which we would have when we have the Holy Spirit, cast out fear. And that if we have fear, we have not been made perfect through God's love. We like to point out a bunch of sin that, that, that makes us less than as Christians. But fear is one that God makes very clear is not a Christian mentality. It is not a godly mentality. It can't get any clearer than God is love and love casts out fear. So when you leave today and things get worse or get better, right? probably get worse, but if it does get better, if it gets worse, no matter what it does, we go back to this scripture, we go back to these verses and know that when we pray to God and we have His Spirit in our hearts and we have His perfect love, that we should not resort to fear or anxiety or stress. And I'm struggling right there with everybody else. It can be really, really hard to live that life But that's what God is calling on us to do.
to be of sound mind, to be of power, and to be of His love. Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just call on You this morning, Lord, just to surround us with Your Holy Spirit, to surround us with Your love, Your grace, and, and Lord God, just to empower us, Lord, with Your power, Your love, and, and, and sound minds, that we can go out into the world as better shepherds for You, to help take care of our families, our communities, our, our children, Lord, and, and to have this resolve that the world does not get us down, that the world does not tear us apart, that the world does not put us in this constant state of fear and anxiety, but rather we can hold our heads up and we can be above all of this and we can be transformed by the Spirit and not conformed to the world. That when everyone around us is panicking, allow us to be steadfast and strong and, and, and shepherds for you. Lord God, we just pray each and every day that you forgive us for our sins, that you forgive us for all the times that we have made decisions out of fear, made wrong choices out of fear, Lord God. And we just pray that you give us the strength to love others and to allow your love to cast out the fear in our hearts and to allow our love to help cast out the fear in others. We just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hatridge Sermons. If you feel led to donate to my message or to this show, I ask that you simply donate your time or money to a local food pantry, charity, or mission. And if you ever find yourself in Southwest Arkansas, feel free to visit. We'd love to have you. You can find us at the Ben Loman Cumberland Presbyterian Church at 10 a.m. or the Brownstown Community Church at 11. Thanks again for tuning in.